0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: And we will help you keep it running. That's the help we get from Dan Burns from Lloyd's Automotive on beautiful Grand Avenue in St. Paul. Dan's with us. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. How are you today? Say it's Father's Day tomorrow. Are you going to be treated like a king, do you think?
2: You wonder, don't you?
1: (laughs) <laughs> we'll find out tomorrow what happens.
2: Yeah, we'll find we'll find out tomorrow. But I would say probably, yeah. probably I get uh, I would say I get my fair share of special treatment when it's uh, when the time is right.
1: Well, uh, we brought it up before, but you have a few children, but you've how many grandkids do you have now?
2: You know, we're up to ten grandkids already. Wow, so,
1: ten! Of them. Yeah, when we.
2: When we when we get the whole family together, we have two full baseball teams, so that's
1: just right. <laughs> I bet you are. That's a lot of fun. Well, Dan has yeah. helped us out here on CC for many many years, and we'll do the same for you. If you have a car care question, we've cleared the lines, and that's what we'll use them for, both the phone and the text line. If you have a car care question, here's the phone number six five one nine eight nine nine two two six six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Or if you want to, see, if that's easier for sending us a, a text. With your car care question, do that eight one eight zero seven eight one eight zero seven. We had a text. <laughs> seems like an unusual time of year, Dan, uh, for this, especially with our uh, heat. But uh, this texter says this doesn't say what kind of a car it is. Uh, but recently, my seat heater started to turn off early, but my heated steering wheel has no issues. I must be—they must have me? a real good air conditioner or something to use that. <laughs>
2: You know, my wife leaves her seat heater on all the time because she just likes that warm feeling. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's funny. What could, what could be anyway, the issue? That, well, you know, the the seat heater, of course, has all sorts of safety uh, things built built into it, uh, temperature sensors and so forth, so that it doesn't overheat and you know cause a fire. Actually, it could it could be a it could cause a problem mm. if it's not working properly. So if one of those, uh, safety devices is misreading, if one of those sensors is misreading, then just to save the car, it, uh, you know, if it, the car does error, if the computer doesn't have all the information it needs, then the safe thing to do is to shut it off. And that's oftentimes what happens, that, uh, that it's not getting the information that it needs, so it shuts it off. Hmm. The other thing that happens with seat heaters that we, uh, see quite, quite often is if they work intermittently, the, uh, seat heater itself is is an electric grid that 's uh w- woven into the the fabric and the cushion of the seat and oftentimes that you know over time and all the flexing of sitting in the seat and getting in and out of the seat that grid will break or 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 we will get a short circuit in it and if it if it doesn 't have a complete circuit all the way through it, then it won 't work either
1: is that so, an expensive repair?
2: It can be, you okay. know, and it can be diff- a difficult repair because uh, in order to replace that grid in the seat, the uh, upholstery has to come off and mm. the cushion has to be taken apart. So, yeah, it seems like it would be simple, but it really isn't. Uh, getting, the, getting the upholstery off is sometimes a complicated deal.
1: I bet. Well, let's go to the phones. We have callers on the line, Dan. Uh, Kevin is calling from, I think, w- uh, Wasika. Go ahead, Kevin.
0: Yes, uh, good morning, morning, gentlemen. Thank you for taking the call. Mm-hmm. My issue is this. I have an '07 Chevy Silverado pickup, and I've lost all four signal lights, my brake lights, and my four-way flashers. Now, what's curious about it is that light behind the cab, when I activate the brake, it comes on. I've taken to different parts stores, and we've gone through the fuses, and we looked around for a, a flash or anything. Um, I'm just wondering, does it have a flasher or uh, a module, or and where would it be located at, please?
2: Well, it does have a, it does have a flasher, but it, I I doubt if that's it. I was just trying to think of what is common with all of the running lights and the brake lights and the uh, turn signal, and I'm thinking that the one thing that that they all run through is the turn signal switch uh, on the vehicle itself. So. I'm just guessing, though, the 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 way that we would go about diagnosing this <clears throat> would be to go to the wiring diagram itself, uh, look at the information, and then I would know exactly what is common about that. I don't believe that they share a common uh, power. In other words, I think that brake lights and the turn signals, for example, have two separate fuses. So I doubt if it's something on that side, but there is something that's common about all of them that's not allowing the power to run through it. And I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out to be the turn signal switch on the, uh, on the, uh, behind the steering wheel there. Hmm. Right on the column there. Yeah. That's, but like I say, the, the professional way to go about it would be to look at the wiring diagram. If you look okay. at the wiring diagram, it'll show, it'll show, uh, you what's, what's common about all of them. And, uh, you know, that's how we would go about diagnosing yeah,
1: it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, Kevin, good luck with that hunt. Appreciate the call. Let's go to uh, Prior Lake right now. Craig is uh, is on the uh, line, I believe. Let's see. Um, hmm. Hold on here. There's Craig. Go ahead, Craig. Thank you.
0: Hey, good morning, guys. Happy Father's Day to both of you. Thank Everybody you. You got a nice one. Thank you. Just a quick question. I got a I got a break job uh, here about a month or so ago, and— You know, I'm getting this rubbing sound periodically now when I uh, uh, put, or basically when I break at some stoplights or stop signs and stuff. And I wasn't doing anything like that before. Like I said, I just got the brake job done, uh, rotors,
2: pads, and all that stuff. What should I be looking for? I'll hang up. Well, you you should be looking with taking it back and having them look at at their work, (laughs) because something's... Something's not quite right. You should not hear the brakes when they're working. One thing that commonly happens is, is when you're doing a brake job, behind the brake rotor is a tin shield. And sometimes that tin shield gets, uh, bent or pushed a little bit when they're doing the brake job. And sometimes it's as simple as just readjusting that tin shield from behind. But if the, if the noise is actually coming from the, um, from the interaction of the brake pads with the brake rotors, then they'll have to do something about that. I'm not sure if it's putting a little different surface pattern on the rotors or what exactly they'll do. But, uh, but like I say, if it's been more than a week and you're still hearing a noise, uh, I would recommend that you bring it back. And, and, you know, actually the shop is going to want to, be able to, want to see that because uh, they want you to be safe with the brake job that you yeah. did on your car.
1: Good deal. So. Hang on, Dan. We'll yeah. take a bit of a break here, and we've got callers in the line yet, and there's one line open if you want to use it for your car care question, 651-989-9226, or send a text, and we'll pick up on those, too, when we come back. 81807. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to CCO's Car Care Show. Danny Long here. Uh, Dan Burns from Lloyd's Automotive over there. And uh, Dan, uh, we mention the Grand Avenue all the time. Give us a location. How do we get in touch with you guys?
2: Well, we are at 982 Grand Avenue, which is right between Lexington and Victoria. And you're welcome to stop by any time, including this morning. Um, You can find us on the web at LloydsAutomotive.net, L-L-O-Y-D-S, LloydsAutomotive.net, or give us a call. Our phone number is 651-228-1316.
1: Excellent. All right. Speaking of phones, let's go back to the phones. We have folks waiting there, then we'll pick up on some text messages, see who's been waiting. Uh, Chuck is calling from St. Louis Park. Chuck, you're on with Dan.
0: Yes, um, I have a 2003 Echo with 180,000 miles of standard transmission, and the clutch is slipping. Is there an adjustment on that, or should I just let the car die?
2: No, you should fix it. <laughs> All right. There is sure. there is no adjustment uh, on it. It's a hydraulic system; adjusts itself. But the uh, you know if the if the Clutch is slipping. It just means that after this many miles, the clutch disc has worn and it's getting too thin, and uh, it's just a matter of pulling the transmission out and and uh, putting a new clutch and clutch disc and pressure plate in, and and uh, you'll be back in business for another hundred meters
1: yeah, miles absolutely. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's yeah. yeah no, that, that you know, a worn out clutch is not unless the rest of the car is is done. Right. I don't know, but a worn out clutch is no reason to be done with the car if it is still serving you well.
1: Excellent. All right. Thank you, Chuck. Don's calling from uh, Andover with a question. Go ahead, Don.
0: Yeah, thanks, guys. Good morning. Morning. Hey, I've got a um, 206 F-350, a uh, lot of rust. Um, I think it was probably used as a salt truck at one <laughs> point. Got a little dump um, mechanism in the back and got a pinhole um, rust uh, hole in my gas tank. I wondered what the best way to uh, plug that hole is. I thought about I'm trying to put a screw in there or put some Bondo or something on that. What do y'all think?
2: Well, there's no, um, you can try all that sort of stuff. Put a screw with a, you know, with a silicone washer on it like that. But I, we have had no success with any of that. Uh, If the pinhole is higher up on the tank, then uh, just don't fill the tank would be my advice. But, Uh, I have not come up with other than renewing the tank, which would be to take the tank out of the vehicle and and have the inside of it sealed. uh, I don't think that you're going to have a successful way of of, uh, repairing the tank itself. Oftentimes, when a tank leaks, like you say, it's got a little pinhole, it's rust that's creating it, and as soon as you start messing around with that spot, you'll find a whole bunch of more spots that are uh, that are starting to rust through. So mm. my advice would be to get the tank out of the car, which is going to be a challenge in itself because, of course, uh, the rust that you're seeing on the tank is on all of the other components that you need to move to get the tank out. But at any rate, the repair would be to either replace or renew the uh, tank that you have.
1: All right. Let's go uh, grab some text messages uh, this morning, uh, Dan. Uh 2004 Suburban. Transmission will not shift up to the next range. What do you think of that?
2: I'm sorry. Say that again. A 2006.
1: 2004 Suburban. It's Uh uh, the transmission won't shift up to next range.
2: An 04 Suburban. That's computer controlled. So uh, we can get in there with our
1: scan tool
2: and get the information as to why it's not shifting up Uh, if it's, if it's a command issue oftentimes that's a uh you know a, a simple fix or not a simple fix but a less complicated fix than than a transmission overhaul uh if the vehicle's getting all the commands that it's supposed to get and it's not responding properly then and and it turns out to be a mechanical problem uh then it's a big deal so i think i think the best way for for you to get the information that you're looking for is you're going to have to bring it into a shop and get somebody that can interface with your computer and get the information out of there to see what's going on. Okay.
1: Here's uh, what we we're talking about the rust situation. I know I think I know what you're going to say. Uh, hi the texter says, "Is there a product to use to try and stop the spread of rust on my 2001 SUV?" Like you said it's like once it starts, look out, right?
2: You know that the trouble is uh, the rust that you're seeing coming through the vehicle. The rust that you're seeing on the outside of the vehicle, oftentimes or probably most commonly, starts on the inside of perhaps the fender or the door. And so you start sanding that, and you 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 think it, you think that you're getting a nice clean surface to prime and but you're really not because the, the rust is actually on the inside of the door and it's coming all the way through. So, yes, you can, you know, there are lots of products, uh, primers and, and paints and so forth that that say that they will etch the uh, the paint and, and slow the rust. And I believe that that would be true, that it would slow the rust. But as far as repairing it, uh, there is not a good uh, way, or there's not a good product that you're going to put on it. Uh, that's going to stop the rust. Yeah. If it's just one little spot, if it's just a door or a uh, fender or something like that, you know, that you can put a new skin on the door or a new skin on the on the uh, fender and take care of the rust that way. Okay. But that's, you know, that's in our climate. That's one of the curses is that really uh, is. oftentimes the car is still in great mechanical condition, but it's getting so rusty and ugly that people give up on them yeah. and... and that's the end of it, and and of course once once they get rusty, it really hurts the value of the car too. Right. So then they're they're not willing to spend the money to repair it because it just doesn't make economic sense.
1: All right, Dan, we have to take our bottom of the hour break. Dan will be with us till about seven forty five this morning. So folks on the line, stay there, and the texters will pick up on more of your text messages too after. Uh, this break welcome to play it a new podcast network featuring radio and tv personalities talking business sports tech entertainment and more play it at play.it welcome back to the car care show here on cco danny long with dan burns from lloyd's automotive in st paul we'll uh, let you know how to get in touch with him before he leaves us today uh dan we have callers and texters many so let's see if we can't uh, quickly help out uh, these folks who's been waiting billy in minneapolis is there go ahead billy
0: Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. I have an 04 Colorado. It's like 300 plus, 300,000 miles on. <laughs> and uh, when I stop, I like a stoplight. The oil sensor light comes on and, and that and that dinging, you know, the chime and dinging. And the only time it mm-hmm. shuts off is if I push reset or if I go again. And it's really annoying. And the oil is fine.
2: Yeah. Well, the, the miles on it, there's a chance that the uh, oil pressure really is getting that low. So what you need to do is take it into a shop, ask them to put a mechanical gauge on the car, and see what the oil pressure really is so that you know whether it's safe to drive or not. If the oil pressure is okay, then the sensor that, uh, that is, is in that hole that they're testing at, when they take that sensor out, if, if the oil pressure is okay, then that sensor is failing. And it's not reading correctly, and that's what's causing the light to come on. Uh-huh. But if the oil pressure is really low, then uh, there's not going to be a good solution to uh, to solve that for you because the uh, it's just appropriately warning you that the oil pressure is low, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know you need to be careful about that. Yeah. <laughs> an, an engine an engine with low oil pressure is not going to be lubricated properly, and and the life of the vehicle will be short term. So, but it would be it would be worth spending the money to take it in and find out if the oil pressure is okay or not. If it is okay, then uh, that sensor is actually pretty cheap. So it would be a simple repair then.
1: We had uh, a text message. Speaking of oil or oil pressure, we had. Uh, There's a I think it was a good question. It was. It was a uh, uh, VW 2005 VW diesel about overfilling uh, the oil maybe by a quart but as far as that vehicle or any vehicle what kind of damage can be caused what can happen if you overfill the oil
2: well it, <clears throat> as a short term damage nothing i mean it, you know you'll if you overfill it and you, and you discover it and you just let a little bit of oil out it'll be just fine but uh you know over, overfilling the oil it's the the crank or the engine is designed to have a certain level in the uh in the oil pan and if that gets too high then the oil actually gets into the uh mechanism of the vehicle and 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 starts to mess or you know interrupt the operation that is going on in there the the stuff that's turning that's not that's not supposed to be uh, have oil uh bathing in it causes a problem and it'll cause performance problems and and uh you know the oil can get sucked into in through some vacuum stuff. Mm. things like that can happen uh so like i say if it if it happens and and you've been driving it and you discover it, simply let you know a quart of oil out of it, and uh it should be fine, okay, but no, you do not want to overfill a crankcase that nope. is you know it's not designed to run on more oil than normal, and it's not good for it, so do not do that
1: okay. Scott is calling from Maple Grove with a question. Go ahead, Scott. Dan's listening.
2: Hey, thank you so much
0: for my, uh, taking my call. Hey, I've got a, a 2013 Jeep Patriot with a 2.4 liter uh, CVT engine, and I can't figure out why it bites me. Uh, why my transmission seems sluggish when I try to uh, accelerate? You know, from a stop, seems like I'm the last car to catch up with with the pack after uh, a green light. I've had all the spark plugs replaced, all the coils replaced. Uh, I have not gotten any compression testing or things like that, but is this something that's common with that type of an engine, uh, or can you think of a reason why my transmission would be fighting? It almost seems like it's trying to shift back down rather than shift up. Uh, any ideas that
2: you have would be great. I, I haven't heard anything specific to that vehicle, but uh, there one thing that you could do that I didn't hear that you have done would be to Take it. Take the vehicle into the shop and have the the uh, codes checked for both the transmission computer and the engine computer. And if there are no codes stored in either, then uh, then the vehicle thinks that it's operating just fine. Uh, if there are, if there is nothing, if a brake is not applied or if something like that, if there is no particular resistance um maybe what's going on here is you just have a vehicle that's a little underpowered for the the weight and size of the vehicle and and uh you'll just have to live with it the way it is but but i would start with checking and seeing if there's any codes if there's anything significant going on with the vehicle uh it would flag a code in either the engine or transmission computer and and that would be a good place for you to uh to start
1: One more call, Dan. Uh, Let's see, Butch is calling from Waconia. Go ahead, Butch. What's your question? Hello, Butch. Hello. What's your question, Butch?
0: I got a 2006 Nissan Altima with a 2.5. We had an engine light come on, and it's been a little while. Um, They told us at the dealership that it was the catalytic converter and that that would need to be replaced, which I kind of understand. But he said there was also a... Catalyst or something under the manifold. It's been using a quart of oil for every thousand miles for quite a long time. Um, It's got 170,000 on it. And I'm just wondering if you think the engine would have to be replaced or we can just get away with replacing those two items, the catalytic and whatever's under the manifold.
2: Well, the consumption of oil is hard on the catalytic converters. So uh, I'm not sure. That putting a new that little, I'm not sure that long term it would make sense to put the catalytic converters in because I'm afraid the oil consumption is just going to ruin the new converters so if the vehicle is operating fine the way it is right now with that many miles on it, maybe you just want to live with the catalytic converter problem um, you know and and see how it goes but uh, I'm afraid that uh, if you put the converters in It'll be a waste of money, mm. and uh, because you'll just uh, you'll just ruin the new ones.
1: Not good, and Dan. We are not out of good. time, and um, I've, well, pr- I've printed out uh, some text messages we did not get to. Let's start the show next week with those. What do you say?
2: That sounds great. I'll be in studio next week. Well, you'll so be in we'll studio, on. and
1: you'll also we'll be with uh, with uh, Steve Thompson because I will be on a Good Neighbor Tour to Utah. Oh, so, that
2: sounds great. That yeah. sounds great for you and me. I love working with Steve. I haven't seen him for a while. Well, will have
1: you, you have a chance. By the way, as we head out of here, happy Father's Day to you, Dan, tomorrow.
2: Thank you, Danny. You All too. Right. You've done a good job in that department.
1: All right, thanks very much, Dan. We'll get another doctor's opinion of that. But thanks. <laughs> have, a, have a great week, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank Dan you. Dan Bye. Burns from Lloyd's Automotive, 228-1316, with a 651 area code, Lloyd's Automotive on Grand Avenue.